We're still in chapter six, mission number six of the ethics of the fathers, and we're going to be here for a while because this is the 48 ways of wisdom, and we're up to way number eight, and that is with joy. If you want wisdom, one of the means through which you, you can attain wisdom, one of the ways that you acquire Torah is with joy. Now, when we ponder the subject of joy, it's important to ask the question, you know, what is the role of joy in Judaism? You can make a case that we're dealing with law. You have God-given law. You got to follow the rules. You got to obey the directives. It's not about joy. You could be sullen. You could be sad, but you have to follow the will of God. And if you do that, in God's eyes, you're good. What is the role of temperaments, of moods, of states, of being? What is the role that that has in Judaism? Moreover, what exactly is joy? What's the essence of joy? And does Torah contain any advice on living a life of joy? So to begin, I would argue that not only is joy tolerated in Jewish life, it is actually central to life as a Jew is to live a life of joy. The Talmud tells us that there are two periods in the year that we're supposed to alter our state of joy. When the joyous month of Adar begins, we should up the level of joy. We should increase joy. When the sad month of Av, the month in which we have Tishabav, when that month enters, we diminish, we decrease joy. The whole year, we're joyous. For one month, we amplify the joy, and for one month, we, we tone it down a bit. But even when we decrease the joy, we don't eliminate it. It's just relative. Relative to the normal ecstatic joy throughout the year, in the month of Av, we tone it down a bit, there is a lower gradient of joy, but throughout the whole year, we are joyous. And of course, when the month of Adar comes around, then the joy reaches a fever pitch. We are exuberantly joy throughout that month. But this shows us that really the entire year, the whole calendar, is one of continuous, ongoing, never-ending joy. The Torah tells us that when we do mitzvos, we have to do it with joy. In the end of the book of Deuteronomy, we have the admonition. We have the criticism levied against the Jewish people. And we have the terrible, devastating things that will befall our people. And the reason, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 47, the reason why the Almighty will punish us and unleash all manner of fury against us it's because we did not worship God besimcha, with joy. The horrific punishments that the Torah forecasts that we will be subject to, it's a result of failure to worship God joyously. If someone does the mitzvot, but without the requisite joy, according to just the text of Scripture, that is deserving of harsh punishment. Just to do the mitzvahs alone, it's insufficient. You have to do it with joy. 
So this, I think, proves to us that joy is not this incidental aspect of life. It is absolutely essential. But why is joy such a central component of mitzvos? And why is it a necessary precondition for wisdom? So I think if you look at the descriptions of joy in the literature, I think that is the state in which we are synchronized with the portals through which we receive revelation. If you want to be a conduit through which you can attain spiritual revelation, the only way to do that is if you are primed and the way you get primed is with joy. So Talmud tells us, the book of Brachos, page 31a, when you pray, you can't be sad or morose or melancholical. You have to be joyous. You want to open up those portals of prayer? It's got to be with joy. If you are an aspiring prophet, the divine presence will not rest upon you only if you are joyous, if you're sad, if you're depressed, you are not a candidate for prophecy. The great Arizal said, all of his revelations that he received is because he did mitzvos with tremendous joy. The Midrash tells us that absent joy, there is no clarity. There is no certainty. If you do a mitzvah, with joy, you will have a certain degree of clarity, of lucidity, of certainty, of knowing how to behave. And the Midrash tells us that there were individuals who did mitzvos, but there was uncertainty in it. It was a little cloudy. And the reason why it was cloudy is because they did those mitzvos without joy. And they are Ruvain. Reuven wanted to save Joseph. The brothers were conspiring to kill him. Reuven comes and intervenes and tries to save him. But he didn't do a complete job. He said, well, let's throw him into the pit. Let's not kill him. He didn't bring Joseph back to Jacob. And the reason why, says the Midrash, is because he was not in a state of joy. And that's why he wanted to do the mitzvah, but it didn't quite come out in a pristine fashion. Similarly, Boaz, one of the heroes of the story of Ruth, he fed Ruth, but he didn't feed her a dignified and respectable meal. Why, says the Midrash? Because he was lacking joy in this mitzvah. Ergo, tells us the the Midrash, joy provides clarity. It opens up the portals of prayer, of prophecy, of revelation, and of clarity. And in our mission, we discover that it also opens up the portals of wisdom. So joy is the central part of life, and it is the attitude, the state of being in which we can access all manner of revelation. You want wisdom, you want prayer, you want connection, you want prophecy, you want clarity, you have to have 
joy. And we're also told that there's a mitzvah to experience joy. When you have a gift from God, it could be a material gift, it could be an intellectual, an emotional, a spiritual gift, you are required to experience joy. Torah begets joy. Insight and knowledge of God beget joy. So I feel like this is maybe a subject that we don't talk about enough. You, you look at the, at the laws of the Torah, open up the Talmud, open up the Book of Laws. Is, there's a lot of instructions. And the instructions go to very minute detail to describe how to do the will of God properly. Here we discover that there is also a state of being that you're supposed to be in when you are doing all these mitzvahs, and that is with joy. Now, it's interesting. If you look at a baby, babies are invariably happy. They're always smiling. You smile as, if you take, you take a baby, half a year old, and you smile at them, they will smile back. And the reason for this is because the natural state of life is one of joy. Life oozes joy. The default state of man is one of joy. The only way someone could be sad is if there's something unnatural happening. And we call that the Yitzhahara. The Yitzhahara is very unnatural. It's there to deprive us of our natural state and our natural state of being that is one of joy. We think of the mitzvos as being this behavior that we have to do because God tells us to do it. When you study the literature, it becomes clear that the mitzvos are what we really want to do ourselves, what our soul wants to do. The only reason why the mitzvos don't seem natural is because of the Yitzhahara. The evil inclination creates an, an, an alternative reality in which the mitzvos need to be taught to us. It's not innately understood. And in that state, in that unaligned state, there's sadness and depression. If we just had our soul, if we were synchronized with the soul, we'd be in a perpetual state of joy. The great Rabbi Nachman, the founder of the Breslev Hasidus, he had a motto that I think, even though it's not quite technically a motto from the Talmud, there's a lot of value to it. Mitzvah Gadol, it's a great mitzvah to be joyous at all times. All times means all times. Even during the hard times. Even during the painful times. Our attitude is one of joy. Now, of course, this is something we have to work really hard to get there. We do have, after all, the Yitzhah that was given to us at birth. But nevertheless, the aspiration is to be joyous at all times. And when we look back at the heroes of our history, we see that even during the most painful times that a human can experience, there was pain. It wasn't pleasant but there was still joy. So for example, 
in chapter 4 of the book of Jonah. This is after Jonah goes to Nineveh and rebukes them. And then he's watching the city to find out what's going to happen. And then there's this sapling that grows. Remember that story? And there's shade and he's really happy. And then it dies and he's really sad or depressed or so it seems. And he tells God, I'd rather be dead. Sounds like he's very depressed. Yet, God is talking to him. And we know the only way to have prophecy is with joy. Evidently, even in a state of someone saying that his pain that he's experiencing is worse than death, he was still joyous. He was still joyous, as evidenced by the fact that he's talking to God. Prophecies only through joy. This is a huge revelation. We think that when you're in pain, you can't be happy. Can't be joyous. You must be sad and depressed because you're after all in pain. What our sages show us is that you can bear pain and still never lose your state of joy. The most depressing book of the 24 books of our canon of the Tanakh is the book that we read on Tishabav, the book of Eicha, Lamentations, describing again the downfall of our people. Destruction of the temple, devastation of our cities, absolute nadirs that we have reached. And who wrote that book? The prophet Jeremiah. And it's one of the books of the canon. It's a book written with prophecy. When he wrote those words, he was joyous. Because otherwise, that would not be admissible to our canon if it's not written prophetically. And the only way to have prophecy is with joy. This is a huge revelation. It's a mitzvah to be joyous at all times, even the harsh times, even the difficult times, even the painful times. Because in every state, you can have joy. And when you make the condition, I can only be joyous when this and this and this and this are true, that is the handiwork of the Eight Sahara. That is the unaligned life where you're not living in the natural state. And when you realize the money has a plan, and even though you may not understand it, and even though you only see a small sliver of reality, you know the money does. And the Almighty is designing everything for your benefit. And anyone can be miserable and anyone can be joyous. The question is, how are you going to spin it? The aforementioned Rabbi Nachman said, based upon a verse in the beginning of our Parsha, Parshas Devarim, Moshe is lamenting his burden of bearing the Jewish people. And he says, how can I bear you? Such a load to bear. And Rashi explains that Moshe is referring to the heresy of the people. And Rabbi Nachum points out that heresy, when you omit God from your world, 
then everything that you encounter, you're carrying, you're bearing, you're schlepping yourself. When you don't have that heresy and you realize that the Almighty has a plan and everything that happens to you is part of something much bigger than you could possibly fathom and it's all ultimately for the good and for your benefit, you don't have to carry the responsibility of those cosmic calculations on your shoulder. You don't have to carry that. You're a free person. If you don't have faith, then everything's terrifying. Oh, the world's going to end. Everything's going to die. What's going to be? Starvation, disaster, disease. Everything is suddenly on your shoulders. And that's what the media does. The media makes every problem in the world is something that you should be angry about, you should be motivated about. Because if you omit God from the picture, and it's just us in charge, and we're on this flying rock in the middle of this vast, almost endless space, and we could collide with an asteroid, we're all going to die, what's going to be? You're bearing all the problems that you can't even solve on your shoulder. We don't have that problem. It's God's problem. We don't have to carry that load. It's God's problem. And why am I suffering? Why am I in pain? I don't know. But God knows. And he knows that this is the best thing for me. And therefore, I could be in pain and still be in a state of joy. Now, I'm not saying that that is easy. But I think when we study the Torah's take on this subject, it becomes quite clear that in every situation, you can be joyous even in the worst situations that people have found themselves in. And there are stories of people in the literal hell of the Holocaust that never lost their composure and never broke down and never lost their humanity and never lost their state of joy. Of course, we look up to those people because most of us, you know, we can't, we're not at that level. We're still being manipulated by our puppeteer, the Yitzhara. But at least on a conceptual level, we learn from our sages about the critical importance of joy and the universality of situations in which we can live with joy. And without joy, we're told, there could be no clarity and no wisdom. And if you want Torah, the way to acquire Torah, one of the ways to acquire Torah is with joy. May we all be joyous. May we all see the sweetness in life. And may we all be able to connect to the Almighty and His Torah. As always, my address is rabbiwillbe at gmail.com.